Hey Nine Lives listeners, my name is Kirthi Gopal and I'll be your host for today's episode. So we just started online classes and you probably have a lot of unanswered questions. Should you wear real clothes for lecture? Will your TA notice if you're in bed during discussion? What if you're not really on mute? It's a lot to think about and in this new era of Zoom, it feels like we could all use a little extra wisdom. That's why we're starting a new series called Office Hours where nine live story directors will be speaking with Northwestern's coolest and most interesting professors across disciplines and departments to hear about the things that inspire them and the most important lessons they teach. While you're sitting at home alone in quarantine, give your eyes a break from screen time and listen to some wise words from your favorite adults. Our first episode of Office Hours will feature Nine Lives' very own advisor, Professor Brian Boldry. Professor Boldry teaches creative writing in the English department, and he's written six books, including Honorable Bandit, A Walk Across Corsica, and most recently, Inspired Journeys, Travel Writers in Search of the Muse. We met with Professor Boldry before social distancing. His office is in the basement of University Hall and the heater was broken, so he's wearing his winter coat this whole time. If you hear a little rustling, that's what that is. Just a heads up. The things in the syllabus are for the grade. Two things that I believe that I can't really tell you. One is, I teach you the rules so that you know how to break them. And two, you should never let class get in the way of your education. Professor Boldry's creative writing classes are all about process. They're about writing, revising, giving, and getting feedback. But about eight or nine years ago, he came across a student who wasn't a big fan of his process. A student who didn't quite get the importance of revision. This is a story about telling the same story over and over and, and hopefully getting it better. And that, that's what you do in my class. You take, you take your story and you, I mark it up and then you, re, um, you revise it and get a better grade for that and take it to workshop and re, revise it from that, those comments and then have a fine story at the end. Well, this is what the student was asked to do. He really thought he was um, he was a, uh, an experimental writer of the finest quality and didn't understand that you need to learn how to walk before you run. <laughs> and he wrote this story. It was called a story, but it was, it was a bunch of words on the page. I remember a floating eyeball. There was a floating eyeball in the story, which, to his credit, he made me remember the floating eyeball. But there were no characters. There were no plots. The words were kind of on the page in a kind of poetry-like way, but it's a fiction writing class. Not to say anything against poetry, but it was a fiction writing class. And I said, I wrote on the story, um, well, you need a plot, and you need some characters, and you need scenes, and you need some summary. Sometimes you need a, you know, you need a climax, and then you need a denouement. That's French. It means the final outcome of a complicated series of dramatic events in a story. I took his class, and I still had to look that one up. Please don't tell. And I gave him a, a, I think, a D. I said, well, you know, revise it and you'll get a better grade. Well, he didn't touch it because it was a work of genius. And he turned it into the workshop. And everybody in the class said, well, this needs a character. It needs a plot. And it needs um, some action. And it needs some dialogue and some scene and some summary and a denouement. And he just went, you don't know anything. And I gave him the same D because he didn't do any work on it. And then on the last day of you know, during finals, he turned in the same story. He did not change a word. And so he had done other work in the class and showed up and had done you know, the academic part of the job. So I gave him a very 
I gave him a very generous C for the class. Mm-hmm. And spring break happened, and then first day was spring quarter because it was a winter class. He walks, he knocks at my door in my office during office hours and said, I believe I would like, I would deserve a better grade on this. And I said, if I look at the story again, I'm going to find more things wrong with it. Do you want that to happen? (laughs) And he walked away. This is where it gets like the Bible story. (laughs) On the second day, he came to my office. (laughs) This time, carrying a bottle of vodka with a ribbon on it. (laughs) A bribe. He came to bribe me. No way. He came to bribe me. Unfortunately, what he didn't know that was when I was in college, like within the first two or three weeks of college, I drank vodka and got sick and never touched vodka again. So it was (laughs) the wrong bribe, you know. Just money. If you're going to bribe me, just money. I'm kidding. Okay. So I said, I I don't take bribes and I don't like vodka. Strike two, right? He walked away, glum. And on the third day, he came to my office and the cock crowed a third time. And on the third day... He came to my office and I just looked at him and I said, I, I know what you're going to ask and you're insulting me and my process. I think we have here a closed case. And he said, but my mother read the story and she loved it. And I said, but your mother loves you. And his eyes grew big and he turned around and I never saw him again. Wow. That's an amazing story. That's kind of a good story, isn't it? When did that happen? This was like eight, nine years ago. He's probably like a billionaire engineer now because he was, yeah, you know, he's, he made his money in other areas. But what if he became a famous writer, like a famous avant-garde writer? You know, there he'd be on the news and like the best avant-garde writer in the world just won the Nobel. And I'd be going, because his mother loved him. (laughs) And he'll talk about you in an interview. Yes, it will be horrifying. Oh, now I'm going to worry. Professor Boldry's love of storytelling began when he was a little kid. He said he used to write little stories, novels, and book reports for fun. His friends even came up with a special word for telling dramatic, homespun stories. Boldry. So when did you learn how to Boldry? I learned how to Boldry. Um, I always did want to be a a storyteller, I think. I always, when I was a little kid, we didn't have any books in the house because my parents were not big readers. You know, they are now, but they were, they were a, te- a cheerleader and a jock. And I, I wanted a library. I wanted books, but I would check them out of the library and I'd have to return them. So I didn't have a library, but I figured that if I had that souvenir of reading, which would be like a book report, I would write book reports for each of the books I read. And there was a series called Childhoods of Famous Americans. And it was like Sacagawea, Bird Girl, or, um, uh, uh, Thurgood Marshall, Young Justice, right? They were the titles of these books. And, you know, so who knows what Sacagawea was like as a child? I mean, oh, this must be the truth. But, you know, th- so I would take the book and read it, and then I would write about it. I would just write a little book report. And I was always writing book reports for a while. And I remember one day, I must have been eight or nine, and I was on the floor writing up another book report, and my father's kind of towering over me. And he goes, wow, that school does, sure does assign a lot of homework to you. And I said, looked up to him and I smiled. I said, this isn't homework. And he looked, he had that look on his face like, my son is insane. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then he hid it, right? And, and I, and I realized at that moment that I had to hide my love away. You know, there was like, oh, what I'm doing here is weird, right? I just, I knew from the look on his face. And, and I, that story, I'd love to tell that story over and over again. 
And I finally, uh, the kids were all, my, my nieces and nephews were adults and we were sitting on Thanksgiving, this, this last Thanksgiving. And it, there was a little wine going around and I, and I told the story to the family. And my dad's sitting there, and he laughs at the story, too. And he goes, yeah, that's right, Brian. I do remember that. I did think it was a little weird. But do you remember what I did the next day? And I said, no. And he goes, well, I bought you a book. And I suddenly remembered. I, he did. He bought me Justin Morgan Had a Horse. And it was a horse book. And I loved that book. But that, that story, I kept telling that story over and over again. And I gave the ending that I wanted to give it. And he showed me that that story had a different ending. It was like a totally new story. Thank you for listening. And a big thank you to Professor Baldry for taking the time to chat with us. As always, reach out on Facebook, Instagram, or by email if you have a story of your own that you'd like to share. Right now, we're especially looking for submissions for an upcoming episode called Inside Voices, where we'll feature all your creative quarantine antics. So if you've been trying out an old instrument from middle school, or writing some new music, or taking up spoken word poetry, take a little voice memo and send it over to us. In the meantime, we're sending you all some safe, happy, healthy vibes. And remember, all cats have nine lives. So share one of yours.